it's your girl katie t with a quick word before we start just want to remind you as always that we do record these episodes several several weeks in advance that's the case with this one also wanted to let you know that you may hear a little bit of background noise um here and there in the audio so the normal way that i would record these while we've been in the pandemic failed me y'all so we had to go to an alternative method but you can make out everything that's being said and this was such an important discussion that even though I had to do a little more editing than usual I definitely wanted to bring it to you we're talking about what happens when your job is jeopardized because of the way you wear your natural how it comes out of your head hair so I'm interested to see what you guys have to say after hearing her story is deep Hello, hello, and welcome to In My Shoes. It's a podcast for women of color where we talk about the issues we are facing on a daily basis, y'all. And I am your host, Karen Davis-Thompson. I have a great guest with me today. Her name is Brittany Noble. And in a moment, I'll tell you a bit about why I wanted to have her as a guest. But first, I just wanted to tell everyone hello. So Brittany, why don't you tell everybody hello and tell us a bit about yourself? Well, hello, everyone. Thank you, Karen, for having me. I'm so happy to be here. But yes, my name is Brittany, and I'm a journalist. And yes, I was on TV. And yes, I um, I've done some work with Essence before, too. So I'm excited to tell you um, all about it. Thank you so much for that. Um, so very quickly, uh, my girlfriends and I have a group of friends that we did Zumba together every week uh, pre-COVID. And uh, we have remained very close to even throughout this pandem- pandemic. And one of the things that we um, do together is uh, we do a vision board every year. And this year as we're going through magazines, looking for pictures, you know, magazines are hard to come by. One of my girlfriends had a Essence from 2019. And in it was this list of women to watch in 2019. And you were listed there. And it talks about the conflict you'd had in TV news and that you'd ultimately lost your job in part due to your hairstyle. And that really struck a chord with me because hairstyles for black women and how it impacts us in the workplace is a topic we've discussed before as a group. So I really wanted to learn more about you. And so I read a few articles that I found online, learned a bit more and just really wanted to reach out, find out what you've been doing since then, um, how that experience impacted your life. So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. But before we get to that and we'll get to what happened uh, in a moment, um, you know, I have a lot in common. I've wanted to be a journalist my entire life. And so I'm just curious as to what got you into journalism. When did you know that journalism was the career for you? Well, you know, one of the other things we have in common is that we both went to HBCUs. And so I went to Alcorn State University. And um, it wasn't until I was in school that I really decided that mass communication was going to be the major for me. And even once I got into the department, I was still trying to figure it out. Like I was concerned about money, right? So I was like, okay, maybe I want to do public relations. Um, But I always had this itch for TV and I started praying about it. And I just felt like God was telling me I would be successful as a TV reporter. I just needed to put in the work. And so um, that was um, what I started doing my sophomore year. And then by junior year, I think I started reporting on the TV station. And by senior year, I was I was so excited to be a part of the um, journalism program. And what was it about television news that made it so exciting for you? Why is TV something you wanted to be a part of? Well, actually, in middle school, I was part of a journalism class, and I loved it. I loved the equipment. I loved 
um, learning how to edit. At that time, it was tape to tape. Um, and I used to watch a lot of TV news with my grandparents. Um, what drew me to TV news? It was more so that I think I, I was looking for a career. I, I went to school thinking, I went to school at Alcorn. Um, they at first were offering me a vocal scholarship and I didn't want to major in music. And I mean, I grew up singing, I grew up performing on stage, uh, St. Louis Symphony, Children's Choir, the Muni, which is the, a huge stage to perform on in St. Louis. I mean, I was a performer. So I think really one of the reasons why I'm so good at TV is not only because I'm the daughter of two investigators, but because at my heart, I enjoy being in front of the camera. And you know, it's so funny because that's where we differ. I never wanted to be on TV. I just wanted to write the news. Nobody had to know it was me. I just write my little article and go on about my day. I understand. And I appreciate people for, you know, everything that we do in the newsroom or just whatever we do and bring our talent together to get the news out. That's what it's all about. Okay, so now we've graduated and we have our degree. We've realized that journalism is where we think it's at for us. We want to be in broadcast journalism. What was your first job in TV news? I was a part-time camera operator for the morning show at KEIT in Jonesboro, Arkansas. And so I prepared the studio and I ran the cameras, so I would, you know, tell the talent when they were on camera. Um, and I was responsible for the lights in the studio, that kind of thing. And they would send me home. Basically, I'd have like a two-hour break because it wasn't a full-time job. This is to avoid um, giving me insurance. And I'd come back for the noon show and do it again set up the studio again. And so I did that. That was my first TV job. I did that for a few months and uh, worked my way up to producing at that station on that same morning show. And while I was doing all of that work, you know, I still had my eye on wanting to become a reporter. So I would spend my time when I was not responsible for the studio shadowing reporters and putting together my own reel. And um, less than a year later, I had a reel good enough to send out to TV stations. And then that's how I got my first on-air job. Where did you go for your very first on-air job? Jackson, Tennessee. Okay, now Jackson, Tennessee. So what went through your mind when you got this job? You know, you're going to have your first on-air job. What was that like? Well, I loved it. And remember, I was at a TV station where I felt like they didn't really appreciate my talent. Um, I wanted to be a reporter and they didn't look at me as a reporter, just a camera operator. And I remember a conversation with my news director when I was in Arkansas and he was like, okay, I think you're, you know, you could get a TV job. Let's get a list together and, and let's see how I can help you out. And when I'm giving him my list, he was like, you'll never get that job. You'll never get that job. You'll never get that job. And the, one of the anchors for my show ended up overhearing him. And he was like, don't say that. I just talked to that news director. You know, I, I worked with him years ago. You know, he's very interested in her being the anchor there. And, um, you know, sure enough, I did get that job. So I was really excited to get the job, but it was still 
something felt like really off because I remember I was being interviewed for the morning anchor job. And once I, I interviewed it, the news director was like, look, there's another girl, you guys, you know, both came out of school. Both of you guys could be the morning anchor, but her dad, you know, works in town and she's from here and I'm just going to give her the morning job, you know, the morning anchor job. And you're going to be the reporter. And, you know, it was like, dang, like, my girl won again. But then I was like, you know, Brittany, you just got to work hard and one day you'll be in your own city and, you know, maybe somebody will look out for you when you get to your own city, you know, like that's just how it is. And so, you know, I, I, I worked hard. That station was difficult too, because it was tape to tape. And while I, I did get some experience in middle school tape to tape, you know, I hadn't touched that kind of equipment since. And when I got to WBBJ in Jackson, Tennessee, that is how the news made it on air. <laughs> and so I had to figure it out. And so I was at MMJ, you know, um, reporting and, you know, learning how to produce web scripts. And it was difficult. And, you know, thankfully there was a small learning curve, but um, yeah, that's TV news for you. So it was a small city. My grandmother's side of the family is actually from West Tennessee. So it was actually nice to be able to connect with my extended family there as well. And then for those who have never heard of Tape to Tape, can you explain what that is? I know it is a very, very, very arduous process, but can you tell us a little bit about what that is exactly? It's back to imagine maybe VCRs. And so you, you go and you shoot your story on the tape and you bring the tape back and you put the tape in the machine and you play it and then you record it on another tape the way that you want it to air on TV. And if you mess up, you have to do it all over again because it's not like on the computer. There's no way to backtrack it. Girl, I just got a headache. I mean, I know what it is and still, oh my God, how in the world? You literally <laughs> cannot mess up. There is a countdown in the beginning. You got to run that tape over to the, oh my gosh, it was be with me. So I didn't even know, you know, when I was working in Arkansas, we were a Raycom station and we had great equipment and um, yeah, that's not what we had in Jackson, Tennessee. So <laughs> that equipment, it was so heavy. The tripod was like 30, 40 pounds. The camera was incredibly heavy. I'm still trying to walk around in heels in Tennessee. It was hot, Lord. But I stayed there a year and one day. I didn't have a contract there. I finished up my master's program um, online while I was working at WBBJ, signed my agent and got a job as an anchor, a reporter, a producer in Flint, Michigan. And so that's where I went next. Um, and in Michigan, you know, I hustled there as well. That was the first time that I covered in officer-involved shooting that led to like community outrage. That was the death of Milton Hall. Um, and not long after that, I was in St. Louis. And for people who don't realize how it works, when you're in TV news, there's a lot of moving around. I guess there are different markets, right? And so you're trying to get into a market that's higher than the one you were in before. And so, you know, some of the smaller cities, those are the smaller markets. And then you can try to move up to your L.A.'s, 
or, you know, out where I am, you're Florida, in Florida, maybe you're Orlando, uh, Tampa, etc. And so there's a lot of moving around with that. Isn't that correct? I guess that's, we knew going into, I knew going into the industry that that's just what it was and that you had to kind of play your dues in order to work your way up. Um, I did not know that I would <laughs> move as much as I did. It's hard on credit, you know, it's just hard on you physically and mentally. You just, you know, don't find a church home that you're just, you know, you're just always constantly moving and on the go. And so that was, that was difficult. Um, but St. Louis is home for me. And so I was really excited to get back home. So yes, I did work my way up through market sizes. So um, Arkansas was like 189, Jackson, Tennessee was like 187, 182, Flint, maybe 68 or so, St. Louis, 23 or so. Um, and so St. Louis, I was really excited to get to St. Louis. Um, and the biggest story that I covered in St. Louis was the death of um, Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. And um, that was hard on me mentally. And uh, not long after Michael Brown's death, he died August 9th, I got married on August 30th. Um, and so it just felt like a whirlwind. Everything was just, it was just a lot going on. And throughout this process, so you're moving from market to market, uh, working as a reporter and then as an anchor, what is the expectation? You get up every morning, you get ready for work. What is the expectation when it comes to your look and specifically when it comes to your hair and your hairstyle? I was, I remember, you know, it was always a conversation that I had with my hairstylist. You know, I always felt like my hair would equate to my success on TV. And I just wanted to have that perfect look at all times. So you're getting up trying to achieve that perfect look. And we both know that in most circles, our natural curl pattern, our natural hair, isn't seen as quote unquote professional. So having to put on the wigs, do the extensions, straighten your hair on a regular basis, having to do all of that, what did it do to your natural hair? Oh, man. Um, it was very hard on my hair, just having to, um, flat iron it and put so much heat into it. But when I was in Jackson, Tennessee, my first on air job, that's when I first started experimenting with wigs. And, um, well, it, actually I was using, um, um, a sew-in. And so I was actually protecting my hair for the first time. So this was really my first protective hairstyle. Growing up, I'd always worn relaxers and worn this like straight look, um, this wrap look. And so this is the first time I'm actually protecting my hair. So I'm protecting my hair in Tennessee. I get to Michigan. I'm like, whoa, what is this natural hair texture? But I don't know how to style it. And, you know, they were paying for hairstylists in Michigan, but they didn't know how to do my Afro textured hair. And so um, I braided it back up and did the sew-in again. And so that was my look. I was always wearing the sew-ins. So that was the thing. I was always wearing sew-ins as a reporter. I leave St. Louis as a reporter, go down to Mississippi. Now I'm the anchor. And now I'm pregnant. And so I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. 
how am I going to teach my kid to love their hair if I don't even love my own? Like, this is not, this is not going to work. Like, what are we doing here? I feel like I'm changing my voice on TV. I'm doing all this, you know, to my hair, what's happening. And so I'm having these maybe internal conversations with myself. And it wasn't until after I had my son that I came back to work, I was wearing a really awful wig. (laughs) And some people were telling me that it looked okay, but I knew it did not. (laughs) And so I just asked my news director if I could stop straightening my hair. And he's like, yeah, that's no problem. And so at the time I really didn't know how to style my natural hair. And I was just wearing um, some crown braids. And about a month later, my boss was like, this is unprofessional. It's the equivalent to um, me wearing a baseball cap to go to the grocery store and viewers need a beauty queen. And he asked me to change my hair back to the way it was because he says that's what looks best. Um, And I did. (laughs) I wanted to keep my job. (laughs) I put on my wig and I put a post about it up on Instagram. And yes, there was some outrage, but I understood that this was TV news and what they expected of me. And so I kept it moving, but I continued to pitch my stories as well. And, you know, that was another issue for them because I'm a young, at the time I'm like 30 years old and I'm pitching stories in, at, in the capital city of <laughs> Mississippi. And um, I, you know, it kind of made them uncomfortable. And so about a month later, after I had changed my hair, my boss was like, you know, well, well, that's how we got onto the into the story. So anyway, I, I have my son and I'm fighting for a place to pump milk. And Um, it's just, it's becoming an awful work environment. And my mentors were like, look, you are a mom now and you have to protect yourself and you have to protect your son and you should file a complaint and they'll figure it out, you know? And I did file a complaint and it did lead, well, I filed a complaint about two months later, our news director was suddenly gone. And um, I was working under a new news director and it was a crazy news morning one day. And I mean, this is, this is many months after I changed my hair back and we had a crazy news day that morning. And I looked at my co-anchor and I was like, you can't know, I do not feel like putting on this wig. And he said, Brittany, don't do it. And I said, really? He's like, don't do it. And so I just did my two little crown braids and Um, That next day, I believe, if I looked at the screenshots, um, I started getting internal complaints. um, And it would be stuff like keep your phone on you and charged at all times. And at this point, I filed internal complaints, I believe, and I've been ignored. And now they're doing stuff in the system that I can't explain. And so I went to the EEOC again, and uh, they finally took the case because they could link the way that I was treated to race because 
of the internal complaints that I got the day after I changed my hair on air. Um, and so after that complaint was filed, the EEOC, my caseworker, told me, they're going to terminate you, Ms. Jones. They're going to terminate you. And I said, do I have to, file, do I have to sign a NDA, a non-disclosure? She said, no. I said, okay, then let them terminate me. And sure enough, within the next month, I was terminated. So um, I haven't been on TV yet since then, since my um, stint at WJTV in Jackson, Mississippi. But there are some things in the work that I can't talk about just yet but um, that I'm excited for. And I'm also excited that during this time that I've taken a break off of news, I've been able to focus on building my own LLC called The Noble Journalist. And um, I hope that, you know, by sharing my story of, you know, what happened to me, that, it, that hopefully it inspires other people to share their stories as well, because I think that's how we grow and build community. And when he said to you, this is the equivalent of me wearing a baseball cap, <laughs> what went through your mind? Like, really? Just threw a lot at you, right? <laughs> you know, I just kept going. Just like I shared that story and how I kept talking, um, I kept going. I didn't internalize it. I understood that this was TV news. I understood that they hired me with a certain look and that he truly did not feel that I was beautiful in this moment. I wanted to be successful. Um, he hired me. I wanted to make him proud. Um, I knew it wasn't right. I knew it was, wasn't fair, but there's a lot of things that happen in corporate America that are not right and not fair. And so that was a battle that I didn't feel comfortable fighting at that time. And I, and I, and I, I was just like, okay, change my hair back put it on social media. I mean, I had some people that turned up. I mean, I had some people that took, they were constantly calling into the station and that, you know, the, the it went straight to voicemail and nobody responded, you know, that kind of thing, you know, them sticking up for me. But um, I, I just figured that's TV news. I kept moving. And I think we can all relate to that. I mean, it's such a difficult position to be in. You know, you said you started wearing your natural hair because you wanted your son to be um, proud of his hair. But he has to eat, right? You're a mom. And so how do you determine, hey, is this the thing I want to die on or do I just do what these people want me to do and try to keep this job because it's not just about me anymore, but I have a child and this child has to eat. So how do you figure out what's the best thing to do? If it was not for my, my mentors saying, Brittany, you filed this complaint, I never would have done it. I wouldn't have had the confidence to do it. But I, I realized at that point that I had to protect my babe. So you file the complaint, and then one day you decide it's a busy news day. You're just going to go for it without um, the wig. And you know they say, you say that they uh, were talking about it internally, and there were things that were going on that you couldn't really talk about what exactly were they saying internally? What what was happening there? I felt like we could have done a better job preparing for my show and reporting stories and 
you know, I just felt like there were so many stories that we could have been telling that maybe we were kind of afraid to tell for fear that we may maybe upset advertisers. Um, and so I was constantly pitching stories and I, I listed those in the complaint as well. Um, I, I, I guess it felt like I was just complaining about too much, but as a woman, it's just like, there was multiple things going on. Like, yes, I need a place to pump milk for my son. I'm the morning anchor. I get it. I'm live from 4.30 to 9. I get it. But, you know, my body operates some other kind of way and we got to build in a break and put a lock on the door or something, you know, but I matter and, and my son matters. And, you know, no, it's not okay that I feel as though I have to straighten my hair and it's, it's breaking my hair off and my hair cannot grow because I'm damaging it every single morning trying to achieve the look. And, you know, that's problematic. And it's also problematic that when I get pregnant, I'm no longer representing the station and I'm not being invited to um, be the speaker at events and I'm no longer included in commercials or on the billboards like I matter and I wrote that all down <laughs> and you know they just kept trying to pretend as if what I was saying didn't really happen but I'm the reporter who recorded the conversation because I knew that in the court of Mississippi they would hold up and so they couldn't try to pretend like conversations that we were having um, weren't being had um, because I was able to call them out. So, um, you know, my attorney's not gonna be very happy that I'm saying all of these things, but I, I share my story to say that it, it is important to stick up for yourself. And I, I look back and I say, why was it okay that you know, he was able to compare my hair texture to a baseball cap. It wasn't, but at the time I just, I wasn't very comfortable and, you know, that's my story. <laughs> and since you mentioned your attorney, I'm assuming that means that for lack of a better way to put it, there are still things that need to be resolved. This is a federal case. Gotcha. Federal court right now. Mm -hmm. Um, so I have a trial date set and if it's not settled, which I don't know how it could be at this point because I'm looking at going to another station, it, it would have been nice to settle with them, but I don't see that we're going to be able to settle. So there is a trial date set <laughs> and, uh. It has been a long journey. I never imagined I would be here. This is not what I necessarily wanted, um, but this is my story. And um, I do think it is important to stand up for myself and just for us. I mean, in the handbook, it's not okay to say that we cannot have shaggy hair. I don't care what y'all say. I feel like my hair <laughs> is looking a little shaggy, especially since I've been straightening it and trying to go natural and putting even more heat on it some days too. So, you know, that, that language is just not acceptable. 
especially not now. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy that I did it. I'm happy I did it. I'm so glad for your mentors giving you the power you needed to feel like you could say something, you know, it's very difficult to do and they're dangling your job over your head. And I think we all can relate to where we've been treated a certain way or certain things have happened. And we thought, gosh, I probably should have said something, but we just didn't know what to do at that time. And there was so much going on there. So, you know, especially the not wanting to report on certain stories. Why do you think that was, was that just the climate in Mississippi? I mean, um, is it that they just didn't want to upset people? I mean, obviously what's been happening to black people all over this country should make you uncomfortable, but it doesn't mean that we shouldn't talk about it. So was this just the climate there or what do you think was the reason behind that? In all fairness, it's just not Mississippi. It's, you know, everywhere. Um, I'd never, I still have not anchored with another black person at any, any TV station, um, meaning I feel as though some news directors are going out of their way to make sure that we don't anchor the news together. Um, and I never even thought about going natural at another TV station. I think the industry, I think just, you know, America is changing. And, you know, at this point, you just can't avoid it. But I think even in 2018, they were still trying to avoid it, the change. Yeah, I think there is still so much work to be done in our industry. Um, even now, after all these years, I still find that I'm sometimes one of only a few people of color in the room. So there's definitely still a lot of work uh, that needs to be done. So um, before we go, if we could talk a little bit about the Noble Journalists. I know that's a project you've been working on. Uh, since you've stepped away for a bit. So can you talk a little bit about what you've been doing with that? So my goal with The Noble Journalist is to first share my own untold story. Um, I wrote a book and I hope that by sharing my untold story that um, I will inspire other people to share their untold story. Um, but it took a lot. And, and in the book, I talk about just my own journey um, as becoming Brittany Noble and the fact that, you know, the, the stuff that I've experienced in my life, um, we've experienced these traumas over the generations in my family, right? So my grandmother and my mom and myself, like my mom desegregated schools, I desegregated schools, like my mom ended up filing an EEOC case in St. Louis as a police officer. She was the highest ranking black female police officer in the city still up till now. Um, nobody has surpassed her rank, but she ended up filing an EEOC case. She never imagined that I would file an EEOC case as well and not be working especially I'm not even 35 yet. Like this was not her plan. So I talk about that and I talk about the challenges of getting married and divorce um, and, and having my sweet little baby boy and um, just the pursuit of happiness and how, um, you know, throughout all these challenges, my faith has, has kept me. And with that, um, I hope to, just create a weekly, like, 
lifestyle show. I was doing it a little bit in New York um, when I was um, freelancing for NBC Black and working with Michael Kors. And I was also working on my show and developing um, my business plan. And um, now that I'm in St. Louis, I partnered up with the Urban League to um, create an even better business plan now. And, you know, um, I've partnered with an editor for my book now, and it's just all coming together. So it's really going to be cool just to have my, my own production company and to get back on TV and, you know, doing the stuff that I love to do. I'll just feel a little bit more protected. I'm also in um, a legal studies course or classes uh, at the local community college. Um, so it's like I'm working as a paralegal on my case as well. So that's been a lot of fun. But that's what I'm up to now. And I know you said your mom never thought that your paths would mirror the way that they have. But as these things were happening in your life and you had to file the complaint, did you ever think it would uh, take this turn that this is the road you'd have to go down? No. Not at all, but I'm, I stay prayed up and I feel as though I'm walking in the path that I'm supposed to. And, you know, I don't regret anything, but did I ever see this for me? Absolutely not. There's been so many twists and turns. I could not have made this up. <laughs> and I know you talked about your faith a little bit. Um, I know it's difficult. It sometimes isn't what we see for ourselves, but it's what God saw in his heart sometimes to walk in that. So tell us a little bit more about what your faith has meant to you and how it's helped you and kind of guided you through uh, this really tough time, this tough season. Um, you know, I, I just, you treat people the way you want to be treated and you remember that you're going to be held responsible for the way that you treat others you know, and I, I really enjoyed my time in Mississippi. We knew that even then it was special because a lot of us at the station had grown really close together, really close to each other. I, I mean, I grew close relationships at many of my other stations, but in Mississippi, I was extremely close to my coworkers. Um, and so we, we went to church together. We said we had our own praise to inquire. We would sing all the time and hang out. Um, they were at my, some were at the hospital when my son was born. Some were, you know, at his first birthday party. I mean, we had a really, really close relationship. So um, I, I really would like to say that my faith grew in Mississippi. I mean, when I left St. Louis, I was leaving my grandmother. She was sick and, and I, I wanted to go down south and just really work on my faith and growing cro close, closer to Christ. And really, I wanted to be at a point where I would be okay if my grandmother died. That was my mindset at that point. And so I was really like hungry to learn more about God and improve our relationship. And, and so I, I really worked to do that in Mississippi. And I think that was a turning point in my faith. And I remember being in church down there and our pastor was challenging us to, you know, leave all of our gifts on the table now, you know, don't wait. There's a lot of people that 
you know, died, you know, and it was shoulda, woulda, coulda, and it's just all these gifts, unused gifts, all these talents, you know, while you're able, give everything you can. Now, maybe I took mine more literally. <laughs> I wrote everything that I felt like people needed to know. And, you know, that's the way that I left it all out on the table. But, you know, I don't want to hold anything back. I don't want to get to be older and be like, man, I should have did this, or I, you know, should have done that, you know. I just try to follow my heart and um, and and pray and just hope that I'm on the right path. <laughs> so, I like gospel music, so we would listen to a lot of gospel music. Uh, just turn it on, and you know, a lot of times that would just calm me down, put me in my happy place. I know how you feel. Music is very therapeutic for me as well. I'm over the music department at my church, and. Um, I think that, you know, God even speaks to me in song, not that I don't know his word, but I think he speaks to me more in songs and they come to me uh, very quickly when I'm having a rough time. And I'd also like to say that I guess like maybe God speaks to me in song too. And um, when I left Mississippi and went to New York, I, I joined the choir at our church FCBC, um, First Corinthians, and I'm still able to sing through in the choir virtually. And so that's helped me a lot too now. Brittany, I just want to thank you for agreeing to be my guest today. This has been a really eye-opening conversation and one that I think it was important for us to have. But that's all the time we have for today. So if there's anything you want to hear us talk about on In My Shoes, you know what to do. You can hit me up at kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. Again, that is kdt at inmyshoestoday.com. So until we have a chance to chat again, be blessed.
Yeah, I think we just can't help but be. I kind of understand what you mean. When President Obama became president of the United States, I was over the moon excited and proud. Um, but it's different to be able to see someone who really looks like you and she's a part of organizations that you're in. I mean, my God, the rest of us who are Greek, because I'm a Zeta, we were jumping up and down and it wasn't even our sorority. I mean, like, yes, <laughs> you know, it was a woman. It was like, she went to an HBCU and she's Greek. Who cares which one she's in? We were all like, Woo! you know, we were just. It's, it's, I guess there's just so many different emotions, um, but the, yeah, I'm proud. I'm just. It, it just, it's encouraging, you know, and it just reminds us that we can do so much more, you know, the sky is the limit, you know, dream your wildest dream and, and work hard and pray about it, watch it come true.